Susi. Kata. Erin. Anna. Aiden. Spencer. And what do you want to be when you grow up? A mummy. I want to be a keep shopper. Uh, an animal keeper. Animal keeper. You want to be a spider. A spider. Why do you want to be a spider? Because I love Spider-Man. I'm going to go to a big store. A teacher. A rocket. A robot. And when you're a big person like your mummy and daddy, what do you think you'll do for a job? Uh, do nice things to people. What do you want to be? Daddy. You want to be your daddy? He's pretty cool? Yeah. And what happened at Christmas time with Jesus? He uh, set up the Christmas tree. And, but what did Jesus do at Christmas? Uh, he born so small. Baby Jesus was born. What did Jesus do when he grew up? Um, he grew to young eggs. Did he? And what else? Um, he, he, he was very tall. Was he? How what? tall was he? He was so, so tall. Was he? Born. He was born? In the major. He was born. Where was he born? In a stable. He was born in a. He was. He was sleeping in a, in some hay. Over the cows' things. Anything about some animals? Yeah. How about some dolphins? Some dolphins. Dolphins with him in the manger. Um, I, I, I take him to my home. You took him to your home? And what did you do there? He had to sleep over because there's no space for them. In where? No space where? Over the people's house. Oh. And what did Jesus do when he grew up? Be the king. He died on the cross. He died. And what was Jesus when he grew up? What did he do? He just ran faster. Died in the cross. He died for us. He died for on the cross for us. He rose again. Well, there you go. It seems that uh, from a very early age, we generally have some idea, don't we, of what we want to be or do when we grow up, uh, whether it be a keep shopper or a, a robot or a rocket or, yes, even a spider. Apparently. And uh, a big special thank you to all the preschool kids who helped us out with the making of that video and an extra big uh, thank you to Evan Batten who put it all together for us here this morning. Well, I wonder, I wonder if you remember what you wanted to grow up to be or do when you were a kid. 
I know that if you had asked me back then what I wanted to do when I grew up, the answer would have been fireman. That's right, I wanted to grow up to be a fireman. Now, I didn't grow up to be a fireman, Uh, I'm a pastor, but as a kid, I was dead set on becoming a fireman. In fact, I remember the very day when I decided that I didn't want to be a fireman anymore. Uh, It was a day, I remember it clearly, when my mum sat me down and she said to me, Warren, um, you do realise, don't you, that that firemen don't actually get to start fires. (laughs) They're the ones that put them out. Well, you know, suddenly the whole fireman thing just didn't seem to hold the same appeal for me as it once did. But what about you? Uh, What about you? Did you grow up to be what you thought you would be, you know, when you were a kid? I suspect that for most of us, the answer's probably no. In fact, some of us adults are still trying to work out what we want to do when we grow up. But as we'll see today, uh, Jesus... Jesus is really quite unique in this area. He's quite different. And you'll get to see what I mean in a moment. Now, at Christmas, uh, we celebrate the birth of Jesus, don't we? Uh, A baby, a baby born 2,000 years ago. uh, Born on the other side of the world. uh, Born in a little backwater of a town named Bethlehem. So what is it about Jesus' birth that has led billions of people all around the world to to make such a big deal of it every year and for many hundreds of years now. Well, this morning, what I want us to do is I want us to look at one sentence from the Bible to learn the answer to this question. Now, it's quite a long sentence, as you can see. At first sight, it's quite a complicated sentence, but it is a sentence that's really worth us understanding Because in this sentence, we get to see the true significance of Jesus' birth, uh, why it's so unique, and how it changes everything. Now, to make your life a little bit easier this morning, because I'm such a nice guy, I've actually, I've printed out this sentence for you in your order of service, and yes, it will also be up on the screen behind me. And what we're going to do is we're going to work our way through this sentence um, one bit at a time. It's a sentence that comes from a part of the Bible called Hebrews, chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. And it begins this way. It says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. That's how this sentence begins. I told you it was a little bit complicated, didn't I? But but don't worry, we, we, we can work this out. Let's think about it for a moment. It says... Since the children have flesh and blood. So who on earth are the children? Well, if we were to have read the sentences that come before this one in the Bible, uh, we would learn that the children here are God's loved special children. Okay, God's loved special children. So it's not talking about all people everywhere here, but specifically those people who God considers to be his loved special children. And here we learn that because those people have flesh and blood, that is because they have physical bodies, for that reason, he, and that is Jesus, he too shared in their humanity. So in other words, because God's special loved children are human beings, 
Jesus too became a human being. Do you get it? You get it? Well, if you do, then hopefully you can see something really quite extraordinary about Jesus here. Something totally unique about him. And that is the fact that Jesus decided to become a human being. Now, why is that unique? Why is that extraordinary? I mean, we make decisions all the time, don't we? Um, you, you made the decision to come here to church this morning. Uh, you made the decision to wear the clothes that you are wearing. Nice choice, by the way. You, you made the decision to sit in the seat that you are sitting in right now. We make decisions all the time. But fact is, there's one decision that I know you did not make. You did not decide to become a human being. You did not decide to be conceived, to put on flesh and blood. Because the fact is, you and I, before we were conceived, didn't exist. We were nothing, nowhere. And so there was no way we could decide to become human beings. But here, we see that before Jesus was conceived in Mary's womb, he chose to become human. It was a decision that he could make because he already existed. Because he's God and has always existed in spirit form since forever. But then... At one point in history, 2,000 years ago, the creator of heaven and earth, the all-knowing, all-powerful, perfect God made a choice. He chose to leave the glory and privilege of heaven to enter a virgin's womb where he would spend the next nine months growing and developing a physical body. Ultimately entering the world as a newborn baby. Born to be just like his special loved children. But of course the obvious question at this point is, why? Why? Why would God want to become human? Well, some people have suggested that God became human in order to reveal to us his true character. So, for example, he came to heal the sick uh, and give sight to the blind and to befriend the outcast in order to show us that he is a compassionate God. Others say he came to stand up to the religious bullies of the day who were oppressing the people in order to show us God's justice. Others say that he came to do great miracles, like walking on water, changing water into wine, in order to reveal to us God's great power and to show us that he is real. And you know, there is truth to all of these suggestions, isn't there? Because Jesus did reveal to us the true character of God. 
But if we want to know the primary purpose for which God became human, then we need look no further than the next part of this sentence. The next part of this sentence where it says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. So why did Jesus become human? So that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. In other words, he became human that he might die. That's right. Jesus was born to die. That brings a bit of a downer on the whole Christmas thing, don't you think? Jesus was born to die. Merry Christmas. It's weird, isn't it? I mean, imagine if one of those kids in that, vir- in that video earlier on was asked, so what do you want to do when you grow up? And the answer was, oh, I really want to die. That would be just a little bit odd, wouldn't it? We'd probably seek some prof- professional care for that child. But according to the Bible, that was exactly Jesus' goal from the very beginning. To die. But you know, it's not as bizarre as it might at first seem. Look with me again at this part of the sentence and we'll see see why. We read here that he became human, that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. So in other words, Jesus chose to be born that he might then die and in the process somehow take away the devil's power of death. But what on earth does that mean? Well, to understand what's going on here, we have to go back to the very beginning of the Bible's story. You might remember that in the beginning, God created the first people, Adam and Eve. You might remember that they were created that they might know God, uh, that they might enjoy God, and that they might enjoy all God's blessings. They were created to live under God's loving rule. But you may also remember how Satan or, or the devil disguised himself as a serpent and convinced Adam and Eve that they would be much better off without God. That they'd be better off not following God's rules, but their own. That they'd be happiest living life their own way and on their own terms, without God. It's this rebellious attitude that the Bible calls sin. And the devil did this. Because he knew that once these people had disobeyed God, once they had rebelled against him, sinned, he knew that the beautiful relationship between God and people would be broken. And he knew that God, in his justice, 
would punish sinners, ultimately bringing on them the curse of death, not just physical death, but eternal spiritual death, hell. And sadly, there in the beginning, Adam and Eve believed the devil. They believed that they would be better off without God and so they disobeyed God. They ate the forbidden fruit. And ever since, every single human being who's ever lived has made the exact same choice to rebel against God. Every one of us has tried to live life our own way and on our own terms with all the terrible consequences that come from that decision. And so now, now we live in a world marred by our own sin, marred by hate and greed and selfishness corruption and betrayal but worst of all now we live under God's death sentence not just physical death but eternal spiritual death hell and so you see the devil's primary weapon in his mission to destroy the relationship between God and people. His primary weapon is humanity's own sin. All he needs to do now is sit back and accuse us before God. Look, God, he says. Look at her. Did you hear her lies, God? Did you hear her spiteful gossip? Look at him, God. Look at him. Look how he lost his temper again. See his impure thoughts, God. You know, the penalty for sin is death, don't you, God? Oh, just one. And the thing is, the devil's exactly right here. It's one of the very few times he's not lying. God is just. And we are sinners, all of us. And so we're all destined to hell. Eternal punishment. Yet, you know, it's in this darkness and in this hopeless picture that suddenly a glorious glorious light breaks through. Because, you see, this sentence... This sentence says that Jesus became human. Look with me. It says he became human so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. You see, friends, when Jesus died on the cross, it was no accident. He was all part of God's plan from the very beginning. Because it was there on the cross that Jesus, though innocent, took the blame for everyone's rebellion. He took the punishment that our sins deserved. He gave his life for the very ones who had rejected him. And so you see that first Christmas, 
was nothing less than God locking himself in to death row. Jesus was born to die. But it is good news. Good news worth celebrating. Because Jesus died that he might break Satan's power of death. He died that he might defang the devil. Because you see, by paying the price for our sins, Jesus took away Satan's ultimate weapon against us. No longer can the devil make a case for our death penalty because the judge has already acquitted us by his own death. Now when the devil accuses us before God, when he points out our sin, our hatred, our lies, our lust, our greed, our selfishness, when he says, look at, look at his sin, God. Look at her sin, God. You know what they deserve, don't you, God? Well, now God looks at his special loved children and he answers, yes. I know exactly what they deserve. But the price has already been paid. The sentence has already been served by me. Away from me, devil. You have no place accusing my forgiven children. And with the devil disarmed, Now we need fear death no more. Read with me the final part of today's sentence where we learn that Jesus became human, that he might die to break the devil's power over sin and so free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. It's true, isn't it, that we human beings naturally fear death? It scares us. I think that's one of the reasons we've worked so hard in our society at shielding ourselves from death. You know, almost to the point of pretending that it doesn't even exist. I mean, we don't talk about it. We don't think about it. We try hard not to think about it anyway. We, we distract ourselves from death in any way that we can. We, you know, we distract ourselves with, you know, with our work or with our families or, or with, with holidays or with, with television or with alcohol or, yes, even with Christmas celebrations. We distract ourselves in any way that we can so we don't have to contemplate this thing called death. We'd much rather not face the reality of death. But, you know, it's always there. No matter how hard we try to ignore it, it's always there. And every now and then, something happens which causes the horror of death to be exposed to us in a way that is, well, inescapable and and undeniable. 
And you know, I think that's exactly what happened to us here in Sydney this past week. We watched our television screens and we were horrified with what we saw. Ordinary people, ordinary people like you and me, right here in the heart of our city, in a place that any of us could have been, but drinking their morning coffee like any of us could have been doing. And we saw those poor people's faces in the windows and we saw the fear in their eyes and we were horrified because we each realised it could have been me. It could have been me facing the possibility of death just like them. You know, these kind of hostage situations happen in our world all the time. But this one was different. Because it was right here. And it could have involved any one of us. And so we were all confronted by the horror of death. We couldn't ignore it. We couldn't hide from it. This past week, we all came face to face with our own vulnerability and mortality. But while none of us were there at the Lint Cafe on Monday, this Bible verse reveals that in a sense, we are all held hostage. Held hostage not by some madman with a shotgun, but by the devil wielding his power of death before us. But friends, on that very first Christmas, Jesus entered into this hostage scenario. And then at the cross... He faced the devil's deadly onslaught, shielding us from it, leaving Satan's ammunition fully spent so that we could go free. Oh, amazing. Amazing love. But of course, Jesus didn't stay dead. Three days later, he rose again, proving once and for all that he really was God and showing us that his lifelong rescue mission really was successful. Friends, Jesus grew up from the baby in the manger and he grew up to do exactly what he set out to do from the very beginning. He saved us from our sin and from the fear of death. Now, I'm not saying that as Christians we now uh, look at death as something, you know, enjoyable, desirable. No, the, the fact is I'm still one big old chicken when it comes to the thought of my own death. And I'd much rather that it sort of happened while I wasn't there 
But you know, now, now I don't dread death anymore because now I know that the death, it's just a doorway to life, a doorway to eternal life, a doorway to eternal blessing into the presence of God himself in heaven. God and his forgiven people together forever. Now I don't look forward to death. But because of Jesus, I found that the terror of death is gone. And that can be true for all God's special loved children. So how do we respond to all this? What do we, what do, we do with all this? Well, obviously, we've got to become one of God's special loved children, don't we? After all, they're the ones for whom Jesus became human and died. They're the ones that he saved. But how do you become a child of God? Well, perhaps you noticed in our second Bible reading this morning that we, we heard exactly how to do that. Do you remember? Did you notice? It was in a part of the Bible called John chapter 1, verse 12. And we read, we read this, we read, To all who received Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. How do you become a child of God? By receiving Jesus. By accepting him as your Lord and Saviour. By admitting your sin and your need for him. And by believing that his death was for you. That's how we become one of God's special loved children. And that's when the devil's power of death over you is broken once and for all. Well, friend, is that something that you want this morning? To become a child of God? To have the, the prospect of eternal punishment replaced with the prospect of eternal joy? Oh, could there possibly be a better way to celebrate this Christmas than that? Is it what you want? Well, if so, then, friend, I want, I want to give you the opportunity to receive God's gift of forgiveness and eternal life right now. Up on the screen, you'll, you'll see the words of a prayer to God. And you know, perhaps these are the words that you would like to say to him this morning. The prayer goes like this. It says, Dear God, I know that I'm guilty of rebelling against you. I know that I deserve your judgment of death. Thank you for coming into this world and dying that I might be forgiven and given eternal life. Dear God, please forgive me and make me one of your special loved children and help me to now live for you. Amen. Well, is that something that you want to say to God this morning? Well, if so, then, friend, as I, I lead us in this prayer now, I encourage you to make this prayer your own by simply saying these words along with me, silently, just saying them in the quietness of your own heart. Let's pray to God now, shall we? Let's pray. Dear God, 
I know that I'm guilty of rebelling against you. I know that I deserve your judgment of death. Thank you for coming into this world and dying that I might be forgiven and given eternal life. Dear God, please forgive me and make me one of your special loved children and help me to now live for you. Amen.